about that effort. Wayman comes through. He's got another one. Just add it to the reel. Liver. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that likes to count along with Josh Bruce. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. My name is Matthew Donald. I have Nick Galea with me, the ever-present Nick Galea I have with me, as I do every other week. And if you've been tuning in to listen to the Salty Bulldog throughout the season, thank you very much. We do appreciate that. If you are new, of course, you can check out all of our previous episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts just by typing in the Salty Bulldog into the search engine. We also have a multitude of social media platforms to check us out on, including Facebook and YouTube. You can also check us out on Twitter at the Salty Bulldog, on Instagram, searching the.salty.bulldog, and also our website, www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. Nick Lear, perfect day, really. Very much. Uh, good good to be talking once again about the footy, about dogs once again. It's great starts to our weekend, even though Friday doesn't technically count. But yeah, I don't think you can top it off in, in more ways than one as we did today. And starting off with, of course, the, the VFL boys in a practice game and then pushing on to the, uh, to the AFL side. So that was just exceptional. And has it sunk in yet for you? You know, you were there to, to witness it. I unfortunately was not. What did you make of the experience uh, watching it live? Yeah, perfect. I'd say aside from the first 10 seconds, which we'll get to um, a little later on, it was it was pretty much perfect. Could not have asked for, for anything more. Just going to go through this because we, we need to, because records tumbled left, right and centre today. So we're, yeah, we're better, better get on top of that, I think, from the start. Yeah, so, the we've, thing, so yeah. we've yeah, so we're we're just just after the, the game we're recording this now. So the final scores here. Western Bulldogs 25, 17, 167, defeated North Melbourne 5, 9, 39, Marble Stadium on Good Friday. Second time we've played on Good Friday. Goal scorers here. So Trelaw and English kick three. Norton and Dale each kick two. McNeil, Scott, Bontepelli, Lipinski, Dunkley each kick one. I feel like I've forgotten some. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. I have forgotten someone. So Josh Bruce kicked 10 goals. That's right. 10. 10 goals, two. Uh, now, that's just the goal The goal scorer. So the records we've got here. So that's 128-point margin, that. It's the greatest winning margin of all time in the club's history. It overtook a 120-point win against Melbourne in 1985. It's the the fourth quarter where we kicked 10 goals, seven. It's the ninth highest scoring quarter in the club's history. It's the fifth highest scoring fourth quarter in the club's history. It's the all up the 167 is the joint seventh highest score in club history. It is the highest score that the Bulldogs have achieved under Luke Beveridge's coach. And Josh Bruce's 10-goal haul is the first time that the Bulldogs have had a play kick 10 goals in a match since Simon Beasley in round 21, 1987. Indeed, that's pretty uh, pretty thorough right there. It's also, uh, just for another thing, it's not a big snap still, but that's the, that's the highest score we've kicked since round 20, 2015 against the Ds. We also happened to kick 10 goals in the final quarter ending up on 153 points, and that was a 98-point margin. So we'll take that very much, um, you know, an extra 30 more points on top of that right there. In terms of the, the disposals as well, I should mention those. So Dunkley and McRae each led the way with 33 apiece. Mm-hmm. But to... I thought we couldn't – I thought it wasn't going to work having 10 midfielders in the team. You know? No, no. Find I... out how to fit all these players in. Don't get – yeah, no, don't get how this has worked. So Daniel also got 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think we should trade Dunkley, as far as I'm concerned. That's what everyone else says. Yeah, yes, for sure. Trade him for, yeah, I think you can trade him for four first-round picks now. In any other game, Adam Trelaw would have waltzed home with the three Brownlow votes, uh, including he the three goals. fantastic, wasn't he? Including the three goals that he kicked. He also got 27 possessions. I, I thought he was our best midfielder, especially in the first half. 
Smith, uh, Smith continues his fine form with 26. And Bontepelli, I thought, was a little bit quiet in the first half, but he, he stat-paddled a bit in the second half, which we don't mind. Uh, he got himself 25. This it's first. all for the super coaches, isn't it? Well, that was it. I had I had an eye on that. I always have an eye on that. He got something in 80 region, which considering he, he barely touched the ball in the first half, I'll take that. It's, it's an, he it's had salvageable. seven possessions in the first half. Hmm. Just Not, seven. What did he end up on, actually? 80, what, possessions or super coach points? Uh, possessions. He might have had 20, well 20, 80 possessions. 25 he had. He had 18 in the second half. That's definitely junk time for the bond. <laughs> nah, um, nah, we'll McCray, take that though still. McRae had 15 in the last quarter also. Mm-hmm. Often when I think about as a supporter regrets, um, not, not regrets for myself as such, but regrets for the team. The one regret I've, I've carried for a while was the was and we've we've referenced this game on a couple of occasions. It's the game against Essendon in 2019. Uh, the we famous, love referencing this game. We do. Well, the famous 21 in a row. Now, at that stage, with about five minutes to go, we kicked the 21st goal in a row, and we had a lead of 123 points. And had that it stood, correct. had it stood at that stage, it would have been the club's greatest ever winning margin. Of course, overtaking the the 120 point win that we alluded to a little earlier. But then we conceded a couple of goals late. And still won by 104 and, points in and, cost yeah, exactly. Us, and as, um, as the famous commentary that Dwayne Russell uttered, uh, Bagley kicks his second and brings the margin back to 104 points. Yeah. I still <laughs> love that commentary. That's got to be the best thing he's ever said. Seriously. Iconic. But I, I walked away from that night, delighted with the win, but it, it felt a, a little bit subdued, which sounds odd because we dominated. We won by 100 points it was such a great performance but it felt like there was something more for the history books that was there for the taking and i was i went to the game with brad brad's great company at hook hall um and lee was at about 70 points 75 points something like that three quarter time and i said to him just before the start of the last call what we can't afford to do here is let them this is north melbourne get four or five goals mm, or and, hold the lead as it is pretty much yeah too. You know, because a hundred a hundred point win was was well within reach there. You know, at win the quarter by four goals, and so we've got to be looking for that. And then we got to that at about halfway through the last quarter, and then I think it was him. I think he meant he was the first to mention the the all time winning margin, that hundred twenty point mark. And and we started to get and and for every goal that we kicked and for every goal that we conceded, you know, the the spirits rose and dove. And we sort of thought, well, we can, you know, can we, can we do this? Can we, can we get there? And it was, it was so fantastic to, to see us get there and then, and then not have to worry again, because we got another goal to make absolutely sure of the, the lead, even if North did pinch one late. It's, it's one of, it's, it's one of those things, I guess it's not overly important, but it is history and you, and you yeah. want to, and you want to see these records mm-hmm. be broken. That's what they're there for. And we don't tend to get to see a lot of these hundred point wins of course you know in in terms of my lifetime of supporting the club obviously you know born in 1996 but supported them since 2002 i think i've now seen three 100 point victories that's probably about the same, that's about the same as you wouldn't it be i've been to yeah so since, i've been to since when you've supported of course so i've been to three games where we've won by 100 points i'm pretty sure they're the only three games that that we can we've, we've won since that we have yeah yeah since i started going so there's round one in 2006 we beat richmond by 100 and 15. 15 points yep so that's third place at the yes. moment isn't it yes it's third well, place now it's, now yeah, it's now been, now it's been, been pushed it down yep then there was obviously the Essendon game last year oh sorry not last year the year before 104 points and then there's the good friday match mm. we've got close a couple of times we've had the we've had two we've had a 95 and a 98 points results against the d's in um, 2008 and 2015 unfortunately didn't tick it over those times so i wonder why why? Why didn't it have to happen? Why didn't it happen? Needed to. But they conceded an early goal. Yeah, probably. Speaking probably of Jack Watts, I'd say. Speaking of goals, we need to talk about Josh Bruce. Bailey Dales. No. Well, surely Bailey Dale. Mate, well, he, he, he had a half back kicking a goal, mate. A half yeah. back. It was good, Bailey Dale. It was good. But it has mm. to be about Josh Bruce. Now, you, I know you weren't there. I don't know what you saw. I don't know what you heard. But at the ground, in the last quarter, it was just kick it to Bruce. That's all it was. No one wanted to see Bontempelli or Dale or anyone else kick goals. 
They just wanted to see Josh Bruce kick goals. They just wanted to see Josh Bruce get to 10 goals. I think he, he was on six at three-quarter time. That's correct. And got yeah. four in that four in the last term. quarter. He was he needed what did he need? He needed two within two minutes. And of course he got there. So what was the reception like? What was the crowd like in terms of seeing that? You know, is it's been a long time since we've had a dog kick that many in a game? It was it was I think the word I use is magic. It wasn't anything I've experienced at the football before. Very different. It, it felt it felt magical. Because you've got the whole crowd, the whole cheer beyond the cheer squad. This was the entire ground cheering Bruce C, Bruce C, Bruce C. It was the best. The feeling. Bruce Moose. I think we can get that up. We could try to make a gift the, of that the, or a meme. The, I think the Bruce Moose. The Bruce Moose in this context now. I think I said hop in. That's what we need to do. Join along the ride with Bruce, and I tell you, it's it's just interesting. You know, he's already equaled last year's tally. <laughs> Three games. In three games, he, he, he almost have... equal. He almost equaled last year's tally this afternoon. <laughs> That's true. That's a very fair point as well. But uh, look, he had a chance to feast, and he did. But the thing is, there are many players that, even though they've got the capacity to do so, they don't end up getting those rewards. So it was nice to see him fill his boots. It is nice to see the team get their confidence up. Admittedly, um, against a pretty bruised and battered North Melbourne unit. So, but. Unfortunately for them, this could happen many times this year. So sides are going to be able to put them to the sword. And, you know, we had to do the same thing because percentage is key. And we saw how last year getting a bit nervous at times too, having to rely on percentage to get in, you know, not just wins and losses, of course. So it was something that had to be done. And it felt a bit weird watching it, though. I said from home, of course. I felt more satisfaction watching the, the Essendon destruction than I did watching the North Melbourne one. So, it's interesting because I asked Brad yeah, that. And uh, he, what did he say? He said the Essendon one as well, actually. Yeah, it seems that was just a pleasure because maybe it's just my distaste of Essendon over North Melbourne. I'm not too sure. It probably has a lot to do with that. But I know it felt slightly hollow, even though the records were tumbling today. Great to, uh, great to see, that is, and something the club needed for sure. But maybe it's in the context of potentially that it's quite early in the season. Whereas that Essendon game, we also needed to put, you know, pedal to the middle, genuinely. Hmm. You know, that probably might be it. But nonetheless, very pleased to see these types of results going on. Wouldn't mind another 128-point win next week. See if we can break that record. 129. <laughs> It'd be good. It's yeah, a it good be side. Good. Uh, Brad actually uh, um, alluded to the fact that it was a top eight side against a bottom eight side in that Essendon match. That's why he took it. Uh, that's why he walked away from both games feeling more satisfied about the, the result against Essendon. Oh, I'm, I'm I don't understand, actually. You're telling me Essendon are a top eight team. Well, I'm not were, used to hearing those words. I oh, know they were at that time, but I'm still not used to hearing that. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You know what does make sense to me? 6,000 and counting. So that's what I can say about that. I'm not getting involved in any of that. Uh, I, just want to, I, I just want to talk about today. But when the chant was going around, Brucey, Brucey, he was taking marks left, right, and center. He was kicking them from all angles. And he got to that 10th goal. And, and when he took the mark, before he'd even gone back and kicked the goal, he, he was getting a standing ovation from, from myself, from Brad, from crowd all over, the, all over the place. He was getting a standing ovation. And he hadn't even kicked the goal yet. But I, I when he, as he came into kick and just after he'd, he'd kicked the 10th goal, I thought about the last 12 months and what he, he went through in, the, in what he went through last year. It was a very difficult season for a lot of players for a lot of reasons, but him in particular, he's been brought across to fill the need on big money and really struggled, frankly. And he was, apart from that one do game check, against... Have you checked out the article? Have you seen yes. the article that was released today? So uh, for those out there, do have a look at it. It's actually a really, really good read. It's probably, as it dwells a bit deeper into, of course, what many players might have dealt with in the hub life too. Again, also, if you haven't, have a look at Josh Dunkley's piece on, on ESPN about that too, about the environment of, of his his own uh, dealings going through the trade and stuff. So they're two great reads, Josh Bruce's one and Josh Dunkley's as well. But no, for sure, what do you think about that, the idea that he did a fair few things with um, a former teammate of his in Jack Steele? Well, that combined with the fact that he admitted to losing it was six or seven kilos during the off season said to me that he knew he wasn't at his best in 2020. 
he wasn't going to sort of um, plant the flag in the ground, as it were, and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best and it, it's just not working. He recognised he wasn't at his best and he went about rectifying that to quite drastic measures as well, let's be honest. He's doing running exercises with, with one of the hardest working midfielders going around in the competition in Jack Steele. And this is, and we're not, we're not talking about some midfield here. We're talking about a key forward who generally don't cover ground quite as effectively as, as their midfield mm. counterparts. Mm. It's something that, that, that he's always had the capacity to do. Mm. You know, he'd always sort of double team up with Rerolt playing a lot higher up the ground at times, or they'd at least alternate in those, in those regards. But even, and I can't confirm these things too, but um, regarding Bruce, he might have also potentially enjoyed himself a bit too much on the, on the hub. I think I don't know just to what extent, but yeah, clearly it seems that some players either either didn't cope at all with it, or they took a bit more advantage of the the luxuries that might have come with it. Even so, that's just a small little rumor there, and I'd like to not believe it. I just like to believe that a lot of players just struggled in general with it and not treated it as some sort of um, holiday per se. Yeah, but uh, I mentioned my. In the round one, five things that we learned, I mentioned in, as a final touch for my fifth point that 2021 is about redemption for Josh Bruce. And he's definitely got himself in 2021 on the right foot and putting a few you know, things to putting a few things to bed at the moment after a very, very um, strong and critical three rounds. You know, his, his match against West Coast last week is obviously far more important than today's performance or tonight's performance, that is. But... Well, it if you take if you take away the a, a kick, well, if you take away the ten goals he scored, we still win by sixty eight points. <laughs> mm, exactly right. Uh, it's it's good to see. So when you get the chances for your boots, yeah, not just against say North, but anywhere, you know, when you've got that killer instinct in you, you have to go along with it. And it's very nice to see that the clubs at the moment got that, and they've seen that in the past two games. They had it there for the taking around one. They just didn't go along with it. Well, I'm wondering, will it continue? Josh Bruce, for me, so so his progression over the first three rounds of the season, in, in, and I don't have the... I'll try and get the the ratings up for him that, that I've given him. So round one, I would describe it as more of a workman-like performance. So he ran hard, covered a lot of ground, and, and tried his best. But when it came to those opportunities in front of goal, he didn't make the most of them. I think he had kicked one goal from from four shots or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, one. So it might have been one, two, and then out on the full. Might have four. been maybe one, three. But but he I was pretty pleased with this game that that night too. Yeah, he played well. You know, walk. You, you didn't walk away from the game thinking, oh, gee, he was ordinary because he worked really hard and he, he worked and he created the opportunities and he had the opportunities. He just didn't convert them. That was the only blemish on his performance. And I gave him a seven that night. Last week, he got those rewards. So the same effort and work rate was there, but he got the rewards and he kicked goals at really important times as well. So he got one in the first quarter, one in the second term when West Coast was starting to get on top, and then obviously one in the last quarter to, to, to ignite the comeback. Three really important goals for Bruce. I gave him an I eight. Thought he got, I thought he got two actually last week in the final quarter. One from outside 50, and then he got one for surely in the left. The, the one oh, from outside. Yeah, the one from outside 50, I think was in the second quarter. Was in the second, maybe I might have been to be honest. I couldn't tell you, but I'll, that's all right. I'll, yeah, you might be right. You probably are. But and then no, it's the importance of those goals to be held yeah, up in the moments. But this is this is just reward for the efforts that he's put in in the, in the previous two weeks. You're not going to kick ten goals every week, but as you say, when you get mm. that opportunity yeah. to to cash you, in, you take it. You take it, and mm. it's it's richly deserved as well. We it both, seemed like his round one game, he might have probably deserved three goals, you'd probably suspect. Deserved on effort, one. yeah. Yeah, deserved on, on effort. And that and that's what I'm saying. That was the more workmanlike performance. Not as clinical, but the effort was certainly there. The reward was there in round two. And this was, well, let's let's be honest. This is, it, It's an anomaly when you when you get 10 goals these days. Mm. But it's, it's, it's a deserved it was, anomaly. I think it was amazing, though. In comparison to the, obviously, there's an additional four goals. And admittedly, there's a couple of players that weren't there for North Melbourne today. But last year, it seemed like in his bag that he kicked, he was purely the benefactor of others' good work. Today, it wasn't just the case on that. I'm not, I've got to double check these numbers, but he definitely registered more than 10 score involvements as well, not just off his own, off his own boot too. I guess so, 13 score involvements. 
Yeah, 13 score involvements, nine marks inside 50. Been a long time. Who else took nine marks inside 51? Was that Norton? Yes. I wonder, how many, I wonder how many he took in that particular game. He took 14. Nine contested. He took 14. Oh, my God. Oh, Christ, 14 marks that is incredible. Yeah, it probably would have been nine inside 50 as well. Obviously, it wasn't as accurate as, as Bruce. So he gets seven in round one for, for the effort he put in. He gets eight in round two. I reckon this week he's maybe pushing in nine. I don't know. What do you reckon? <laughs> I'd probably say just, just give him 10 for 10. You have to do the one vote for every goal, sure. One, one vote. Well, yeah, one vote for every goal, I, I think, is mm. fair. I don't want to give away too many spoilers with the ratings, but I, something mm. tells me that Bruce is going to do quite well this week. He won't be. He won't be the only one, though. How good was it to see? Got to touch on this. Who, who are you going to discuss? Actually, who are you I bringing want, up here? I wanted to talk about Adam Trelaw. Very nice. I just wanted also a quick shout though, and I do want to talk a lot about Trelaw. So Tim English's fiftieth game. And he's also kicked out career best three goals in a match. He's fitted in beautifully in this secondary ruck role. So thank you, Stephen Martin. Thank you, Sam Power. Thank so you, Luke Beveridge, for playing two rucks before. But we're gonna, I'm going to get on to Trelaw, but this has, been in, this has been in my head the last couple of weeks. And it wasn't an appropriate time to mention it last week because Nick Natanui played so well. I feel like when the Bulldogs have been at their best under beverage. So we're going back to 2015, 2016 mm. now. And this, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're going to bring up. I 100% second this for sure. That Josh Dunkley in the ruck is the way to go. <laughs> yeah, indeed it is. I 100%. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to deny that. Now, I'll, I'll go on with the, with the serious point. The Under Beverage, the Bulldogs have been at their best when they've had two mm. genuine ruckmen. Mm. But then again, of course, one of those that can float forward One of them and can play that role as well. Yes, one of them can float forward, but I, I still think... Mm. But, but it's not... It's not it's not a it's not a prerequisite that one of them has to no, be able to do no. that. You're so, alluding to the Ruffhead slash Campbell combo. That's the one. Yeah. In the back half of 2015 and the From, very oh, the early mid parts of 2016. Yes. That's the one. Did you think that's, that that the combination wasn't trolled a lot in 2017 with Campbell only playing the one game that year? Yeah. In the final round. When there was when we were crying out for a ruckman when Roughhead was injured and Boyd was injured. Who, 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 do we, who do we even use again for the early parts of 2017 as a ruckman? We stuck with Campbell very early on from round would two have, or three. Boyd. For 2017, uh, would have been Boyd primarily as a ruckman. Cloak, probably that secondary option, Travis That's, Cloak. That does, that does ring a bell right now, yeah. But we did drop... Yeah, Campbell played maybe... A, oh, man, he played one game, didn't he, at the end? He might have played maybe two or three, actually. I think he played the North Melbourne game. I and think I he feel played, like yeah. he played the Swans game and the free. Yeah, he played maybe four matches actually. He played, he played a couple of sure. games. Yeah, for mm. sure. But that's that for me is when the Bulldogs have been at their best because what they've been able to do, and this has been a known issue for a long period of time, but Ruckman have, have dominated the Bulldogs. I think of Grundy, I think of Gorn, I think of Goldstein. Now just, Nat Nui and you can Nat add in several other several other ones too. They've feasted against the Bulldogs, and it's because they're they're dealing they're not up against Even an Zach A grade. Smith. Yeah, even Zach Smith, for Christ's sake, at the at the Cats, or Jared, when he was at the Cats, Jared Witts, pretty much every ruckman, really. But when mm. you, get I wonder two, who's the only ruckman that's not torn us one. But when you get two against one in terms of a ruckman, because a lot of these clubs see their their ruckman is well, he's brilliant. We don't need a second ruckman because he's going to do the job regardless. I mean, maybe someone to to pinch it, but in terms of splitting up the time, it's ninety five five. It's 95% Grundy, 5% Mason Cox, for instance. Uh, 95% Max Gorn, 5% Tom McDonald. I don't know, I'm just pick, plucking names Luke out Jackson here. Jackson at times. Luke, Luke Jackson, yeah, it's probably a better example. Although it wouldn't be 95-5, but you get my point. Yeah. It's one Ruckman primarily. Hmm. It they just depends purely, though, on how, on how strong that Ruckman is. Like with Goldstein today, who, who, did you notice anyone else go up for, uh, to relieve him at times? Or was he just the sole Ruck? Because... I think I just saw him just take every hit out again, as, as he has for the majority of his career, to be fair to him. Nick Larkey had 11 hit outs, but I there certainly didn't. Thank you, Nick Larkey. There's I certainly didn't notice him. But I would I would suspect that still Goldstein's rucking the lion's share of, of the time, but English and Martin are divvying it up. So they're as fresh as, or they're as fresh as can be. They're only, only consuming half of their, 
They're ruck efforts. They're very contrasting ruckmen, but they're accumulators in that sense, but they they build into their games quite well. Obviously, yeah. English is a lot more of an aerial threat, but Marson moves just as well around the ground as English, but he seems to be, of course, a better stoppage player, doesn't he? He legitimately, is, he legitimately is another midfielder that is tall, of course, as a proper ruckman, mm-hmm. whereas English is the, the more mobile midfielder that can obviously control the skies a bit better. Martin, for me... They is balance the, each other beautifully. He's, he's the perfect ruckman in terms of the beverage setup. Yeah. And it's they, no coincidence they brought it up last week on an interview yep. with him that we've been trying to get him since 2015. Unfortunately, we almost, well, fortunately, but we almost had him at the end of 15 and we almost had him at the end of 2017. So we have been trying. Yep. And it would have been great to have had him a few years earlier. We might have maybe yeah. snuck another flag, do you think? Potentially, had we not had to blow the place up a little bit. I don't know if one player is going to have such an impact. Certainly a run. No. No, but it might have helped develop some of the other guys too. Who knows? Maybe if Martin was playing, we might not have had the chance to develop English as much. I think that might have been detrimental there too. Because I remember many people were saying at the end of 2018, I'll bring in or try to recruit Braden Proust. And I'm thinking, that makes no sense. You're going to give him the sole ruck position whilst we're trying to develop English. Well, I think it's it's a bit of... Well, I think the the logic behind getting Proust... And, and I was, I was on that... Um, bringing Proust bandwagon to an extent. Disappointing, Matthew Donald. Well, Disappointing. I, I think bringing Proust in to do sort of what Martin's doing now, not to take over the role necessarily, but just to help out. Uh, but Proust would have been still young enough to have the role locked in. And that makes maybe then potentially would have made English second guess his, his position in the side. So I think it's a perfect transition in this sense with Martin, obviously another year. And he probably, probably would have a second year. If not, it'll be as a coaching kid, but Touchwood wouldn't mind seeing him go again as a, as a player next season. And how do you think his body's holding up too? Because generally he's been rather durable bar last season. Yeah, well, I mean, he, has, he, like Bruce, has actually trimmed down a lot, lost a lot of weight over the offseason as well, which I think will work in his favour. Uh, I think his, his mobility and his fitness will also work in his favour as well. Absolute animal in the gym, of course, too. And he... He has adopted the Ben Hudson approach of one sock up, one sock down. I noticed as well. I had enough time during the game because it was quite comfortable after about halfway during the third quarter. I was able to notice a couple of unusual things. And I did pick that up. Steph Martin is a one sock up, up, one sock down. Very interesting things on this podcast. Even a few weeks ago, that particular, these quotes and stories from, I don't even know the name of this this particular author again. But now you're talking, yeah, probably that one. But there's a few other ones. But now you're talking about socks. Yeah, this is very intriguing. Have you not noticed that some ruckmen do that? And it's only it's only. Oh, I do. I just don't fixate on it though. <laughs> I know socks. I'm a, I'm a bit more occupied on where the ball is, not the sock. Well, this was during a, a breaking play, and as as Sam, uh, it's you know the the game was, was relatively it, over. It might by have been then. a bit more entertaining though, so I'll respect that. Perhaps eight marks, three contested for for English as well, because you mentioned his ability to get around the crowd. Now, yeah, so fiftieth game once again. Fiftieth game. Well done to the big chili. That's his nickname, told. Not Pom. Is that right? Yeah. From I think it's a big chili. That? Oh, I think that was on the Bulldog social media, the official. Because we're, we're the unofficial uh, social media for the Bulldogs, and they're the official. Indeed, indeed. They've got the, they've got the blue tick. Mm-hmm. Adam You're Trelaw. dying to speak about this guy. You're Adam dying Trelaw. to talk about him. Now, as I said, in any other game, three votes. Locked in. He was the Bulldogs' best midfielder in the first half when the game was at its hottest, let's say. Because... We were about 40 points up at halftime. I didn't think North had been playing that badly, though. No, they were probably a four-goal deficit might have been a bit more reflective. In the they first were the, half. We were the better side, but we weren't... Yeah, we weren't 40 points better. I thought North Melbourne were, were pretty decent, and they responded quite well because, you know, obviously I've gone into that game. You know me. I'm waiting for the, the inevitable reaction when they've just spent a, a week being flogged by the media. They don't deserve Good Friday. They're this, they're that, they're the other. And then they're going to come out and and uh, whoever's going to play the... Yeah, Sean Atley's going to take six intercept marks in the first quarter, keep well, them in the was, game. Well, he had six marks in the first quarter, I believe, or at least midway through the second term, I think. Yeah, and, and he's, that, he's the one he that's... going nuts. Yeah, he's the one that's keeping them in the game. He's that intercept defender that's keeping them in the game. And then... Even though he's never done that before. 
Well, it's, it's normally things. Robbie Robbie Tarrant. It's got to be someone other than Robbie mm. Tarrant today. It, someone's it, gonna. That is a shame. I do yeah. like Robbie Tarrant quite a lot, though. I want to see him back on the park. Unfortunately, it'll be out till still the midway point of the season. He is a very good footballer. Yes, and he would have made a difference today in in certain regards, at least to you know Bruce kicking ten. Probably might have still kicked six though with the way we were playing. Mm. And, then and someone... you can't you can't be worried about it as a defender like Ben Mackay. It would have been very tough for him today to have that type of supply being um, delivered to his direct opponents. No, yeah, for, for sure it would have been. But it was. I felt like it was a danger game. I thought North Adam Trelaw. That's all I want to say. Trelaw. Now, did did you you saw the goals in you? Indeed, I did. I said I watched. I was able to watch the the game from the second term onwards. So clearly, my um, arrival saw us kick twenty one of the next. 23 goals or however many it was. So I'd like to put my hand up for that and say, well done, Nick. Now, those two goals are very, very trademark Adam Trelaw goals, weren't they? When Burst on the run. And this is what I love to see, a burst on the run from 50 and slotting at home. That was beautiful to watch. That first one, though, so what was it? Stefan Martin, the, the tap. Uh, who else was it there? And it went to McRae, was it? I'm it not sure. Straight to Libba. And then, and then Trelaw, I'm not sure on the build-up. I'm not sure on the build-up, but when I think of Trelaw... I've got to double-check that, but it was great to watch. When I think of that quintessential Trelaw play, what's the Trelaw play I've wanted to see from the moment the deal was signed? A handball receive and then Ham- a bomb from 50. Yep, a handball receive, a charge, run inside 50, go for gold, put it through. That's been and the, the... And the trademark salute that he always does too. Yeah. So that's been, the, that's, been, that's been the vision in my head. And to see it twice in a quarter, it was yeah. This is this is it. What was it twice in twice in three or four minutes? It might have might have been two. I think. Yeah, we've been pretty close to each other. Possibly. Yeah, uh, that was great to watch. Seriously, it looked fun, and the boys got right around him too. Very interesting. Libba got really right into him in a, in a great yeah. way. We you know Dunks would have too, but Libba really got into into Trelaw. So no. boys have uh, not just loved his acquisition, but maybe his. At what he's brought to the actual group itself in a in a personal uh, touch. You know, we seem to be very big on emotions as a club or as, mm-hmm. as a playing list. You know, the coach itself and Beveridge very very much in um, has a huge focus on the on the personal aspect of, of people's lives. So and building relationships as well too. So that, that was just great great vision to see. And even uh, McNeil's goal too. You know, the boys getting around him there also. That's his second major. A fair bit more impressive than his first one, I would think. Yeah, look, just a little. Just a little. <laughs> just a little you know, that, that, was, that was a classy finish too because they've been talking a bit about maybe his spot on the side too. Um, what do you think of Anthony Scott? It's good to see him get a goal as well, actually. Um, yeah, we're just, getting through. There's mentioned. a fair few maiden goals. Just we just, we've got Stefan Martin, Anthony Scott. McNeil's had his maiden goal, of course. Now he's got another one. Trelaw's now got his... Trelaw. Two. Um, it just needs to somehow now add uh, Mitch Hannon to the list when he's when he gets back. Get Ryan or Gardner he, forward. When he gets Ryan Gardner forward. forward. He's already got a maiden goal before a couple of years ago. Oh, he has too. He's got a couple, hasn't he? I forget they use him as they used the fullback as a full forward twice. Indeed. Even though he was a full forward at the time, then it shouldn't surprise me. But no, they they what, the versatility. Well, no, it shouldn't. Yeah, the versatility shouldn't surprise me. At all. Tim English to fall back, I think, next week. Has done You know you want to do a beverage. Floating back. Slowly, slowly starting to chuck uh, sorry, Dale forward again with, a, with I, a couple more goals. I swear I thought I've read somewhere that it, it mentioned to, uh, earlier today that Mick Malthouse thought that Josh Shackey should be thrown uh, it, at centre-half back. I'm perplexed. I'm confused. It's one thing to see Luke Beveridge do these ideas, but another to see Mick Malthouse recommend them. So I have, uh, that's a no, please. I have so many questions, uh, way too many questions that, that, uh, that we'll be able to answer within the time frame right. we've got left. There's let's, a couple of, let's have a crack. There's a couple of players I, I wanted to ask you about what you thought of, of their game. The first one is Jason Johannesson. So the, uh, we'll, we'll talk. I want to talk about the selectors... Um, a bit so actually yeah so before i want to talk about the before i want to, I want to get your thoughts on johannes i want to talk a bit about the selectors so to me no pun intended here but the selectors have sort of said right well we're not we're not playing games this year 
we mean business in 2021. And I think the message got across halfway with the fact that they looked to make an effort to ensure that Johannesson wasn't playing in those senior warm-up games. He didn't play round one. I think he was the he was the medical sub last week. Yeah, he was a medical sub last week. But this was his first game of the season. Now he under Beveridge has been a, a lock. Basically, if he's been fit, he he's played. They've named their best 22. He's always been in it. There have been stages where they've rushed him back from injury just to get him in because he's that important to their setup. But they've put a line in the sand and they've said, no, we're not going to be like that anymore. If you're not, if, if you think that you can, you can not that I'm suggesting that Johannesson ever did this, but if you think you can just sort of coast through and get your cheap kicks and not contribute significantly to the team's performance, and, and you think that that's going to work, it's going to very quickly earn you a one-way ticket to the VFL. And they've obviously they've they've made a, an example of Johannesson. Now they've made another example of, of Mitch Wallace. They've sent the vice captain after two matches back to the VFL. And we spoke about this the other day. We said, well, who, who comes out? We said, oh, Wallace hasn't been playing well, but Wallace is vice captain. They're not going to drop him. And then they go ahead and drop him. That's a huge statement. That to drop a vice captain after two matches... I wonder, I wonder in hindsight if, if they would have dropped him had he made the most of those opportunities he had in the third term with the drop mark and, and the missed snap. Suddenly there's, I, I there's think two it's goals. A bit more, I think it's a bit more than just the two uh, AFL regular season games too. I think it stretches back to those two practice matches as well, which is a bit okay. different considering Lipinski showed a, a fair bit of promise in those two practice games or however many practice games he ended up playing in. Because he wasn't that... It was, it was pretty decent around one, I thought. I enjoyed his game. He was adequate last week. He had a few um, really frustrating moments, most notably that 50-meter penalty, of course. He did lay an important smother, though, in the last he quarter. Did, he did indeed. So I, I do like him. I'm glad time. to see that he's still in the frame, which is so just, very much required. So just on Johannesson then, because clearly there's okay, he's, okay. Had a, he's had a big summer, not necessarily in terms of, you know, breaking... Any sort of records, Josh Bruce style, but it's it's it feels like it's a it's it feels like it's a bit of a sliding doors. And I hate using that term, but it feels like it's a sliding doors moment for Johannesson. This is where the career is defined. They got his opportunity. How do you think he went? I didn't mind him. I hope obviously you're doing the ratings. I'd still be content with his game. I I would say on my behalf that uh, a minimum. Minimum six. Okay, I was pleased with what he did. I just noticing some of the figures though. Apparently, there was not he did not register a one percenter though, which is a bit annoying. He's not that type of player, but still, you would have hoped to have seen some of those uh, numbers notched up there. He spent sixty-seven percent of his game time in the defensive half, and he still was able to have four inside fifties and the two rebounds. So it seemed to be a lot of the time playing between the arcs. You know, obviously not one of the deeper defenders. So they're trying to utilise his, his overlap. Couldn't say how many handball receives he um, he took part in, but I do think he was important at times, but he didn't have a huge amount to do. Um, the one possession in the first quarter apparently had six in the second. So it was a bit about that charge of us trying to build a lead. Um, now I'd, I'd still take it from what he's done, and I'd consider, obviously, uh, retaining his spot for next week because I still think he is an exceptionally important player. There is still a lot of point of difference that he adds to our side, especially in the back half of the ground, which is still rather one-paced. But I think there was probably a better, a better balance at the moment or today anyhow that allowed him to utilise his best attributes. We can see a lot of those best attributes in a, in a long scale, but in the short little bursts that, that it was seen, he was pretty good. Still a lot more to focus on and improve on, but I'd definitely be giving him a pass for today's game or tonight's game. The descriptions that have been labelled of him in the in the VFL, solid but not spectacular, solid but not starring, mm-hmm. sort of that, that's how it felt a bit today. felt a bit like that. It was okay. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't, there wasn't anything where I sort of looked at him and went, oh, what are you doing, Johannesson? There was nothing like that. He didn't no, get it on seems the board. like he's not the man though anymore, doesn't he? You think yeah. they've sort of passed that baton on to, to Daniel, for instance, and, and a couple of others? Daniel, Bailey Williams, Hank Crozier when he's in the side. Obviously, 
Bailey Dale has, I think, taken that role that used to be Johannesson's as well. The distributor, or one yeah. of the main distributors, yeah. And I think they've, they've, they've persisted with that one. And it was, it was good to see the coaching staff show restraint in that regard and not sort of go, well, look, Johannesson, we'll just give you your usual role and we'll put Dale in the forward line. It was, it was good to see that they, they're still persisting with Dale in Johannesson's role, even though Johannesson is in the side. So, I mean, I'll watch the game again for you know because partly because I want to see Josh Bruce Bruce's ten goal haul again. But I, I tend to watch the game just for the ratings because it's easy to make up your mind after one match. But there are there are thousands of things that I miss in a game just watching it live that that I will pick up on the second time of viewing and go, oh, gee, I forgot about that. I didn't notice that. So I will watch it again just to see exactly how he performed and if there was it was anything I didn't notice during the match. But I thought he was okay. I thought he was okay. It's not gonna not gonna be polling nines or tens, but he's not gonna get he's not gonna get like a four or a three. No, he's in. It's just somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Where and it, it will, it's, do you give half votes or do you just give this, uh, whole numbers? No, just just whole numbers. I just do whole numbers. You give whole numbers. I wonder if you ever had it given a half vote. It's like me asking for it. Can you give half a vote each for these players or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> a few years ago, that was an intriguing memory. No, no half votes here. So this is just this is just out of ten. Flat. If it's it's either a six or a seven, we don't, we don't do halves. We don't do halves. Well, I don't do halves. You, you can do whatever you want when when it's your turn to do the play ratings. But for me, yeah, potentially just, also just do the the full scores. And speaking of players on the outer, because he was technically dropped, Lipinski, Monica. Oh, that name! I'm very good at I'm very good at uh, nicknames. I think. I, I think a lot of people have sort of stuck with that name too now. Oh, it's catching. Me, people, it's, no, not just from you. People have used it on. online before. No, 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 no. You no, can't claim I, it. You I, cannot claim that. I will claim that. That was mine. Everyone wanted to go with all the Lipinski files and all this. No, I stuck with the, Monica. Lipinski files? Who, who yes. came up with that? I don't know who came well, up with I that. I didn't even hear about that until now. Well, I, well, I've heard the Lipinski files a lot more than, than I've, from other people. This is more than I've heard Monica. I don't even know what the heck the Lipinski Files is. Well, it's the Lewinsky Files. Oh, is that what that? Oh, that's from yes. Russian too. So, what's the Monica one again? So, for her, if that was her so first it's Mon- name. It's Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, that's her first name. I'm yeah. just stuck with the Monica then. I've just forgot the connection between the two. Lewinsky Files. Oh, my God. That sounds a lot worse than Monica. Mark Twain, Lewinsky Files. <laughs> and something else before talking about socks. What are we doing with ourselves? I'm just, well, Ben Hudson is a former bulldog. That's a fine connection. Anyway, let's not let's not digress like we always do. Monica, what, what did you what did you think of that performance? I think he stood out a bit more than he is Dan a next player. But there are still certain parts of his game, such as his tackling in contests. He'll still go hard for the ball, but it's not a first instinct. And you know, he's naturally an outside player, and even probably his mindset too. Um, I said he's one that knows how to finish off the work, not just talking, you know, shots on goal and stuff, but finish off the the grunt work of his teammates, you know, whether it's a a good delivery inside 50 or helping transition the play with an overlap pass or such to to a player in a better position. I'd still be, again, again, I'm not doing the ratings, but I'd state with, for me, at the moment, with only watching what I have, uh, a seven might be appropriate form, you know, wasn't a bad performance wasn't a great performance, but it was still very much a respectable outing for, for Monica. So, Fourteen yeah. disposals, four tackles, all of them inside 50. Um, That's I'm, very pleasing to hear. Seven score involvements, two goal assists, and that lovely set shot that Brad and I were sitting right behind. So we, we got the perfect line to see that goal. And it was really nice. He's, he's, he's always what he does gets best. involved in the score, doesn't he, though? He always mm. gets involved with the scoring. It generally good things happen when the ball is in his hand. Or yeah. at least when it goes to foot, anyhow. So, and now we like him a lot. His gain was the loss of AHM, who may need to uh, head to his insurance claimer, unfortunately. <clears throat> so, not even 10 seconds into the match, Ryan Garner has suffered a shoulder injury. It's, it's, the, it's the first marking contest of the game. We're 10 seconds in and he gets crunched by Alex Keith. And it's not Gardner's fault at all. It was Gardner's ball. There's just no communication yeah, it was, it was there. Interesting to see Keith come across him, wasn't it? Yeah. So Gardner's gone straight off. The medical sub was activated within minutes, if that. 
Monica's come on. Garner's been ruled out of the match with an AC joint injury. Now that's going to, well, well, he's not playing next week. I wouldn't have thought if it's, if it's an AC no, joint. No, I don't know much. I'm not a medical practitioner, but that's going to definitely probably be at a guess. Well, that's that's what's month. currently keeping Hayden Crozier out of the side. Oh, so that's going to be six. Oh, so, oh that's what it is, isn't it? So that's going to be against six six plus. Well, Crozier's a shame because he's been solid enough the past two games. Uh, Gardner, he's settled in. I said we gave him a fair bit of, even though there was, you know, considered a, a bit of a bag last week to certain West Coast players, but that was probably just due to them being exceptional forwards and knowing how to capitalise on their chances and some very fluent ball movement. And when he had the chance to to do his defensive work, for the most part, he's been very good at it. Yeah. And he's gradually grown into that role, adds a different, sorry, adds a point of difference to the back six, said with his ability to move across the ground quickly, which we don't tend to have a lot of fast players um, in terms of covering each other. We've got a lot of, say, zippy type fellas, you know, with the ball in hand, but defensively and purely as a lockdown perspective, there's not many of those. So that comes into the sense of then the replacement for him. Do we stick with the one key defender when the idea of us playing, you know, one key defender against, say, two or three key forwards that's tormented us for days? Who's the next best fit? We've got Zane Cordy, of course, and we've had Lewis Young been named emergency in back-to-back weeks. Now, I had Lewis Young at centre-half back in we both my did. best 22. And you, you as well? Okay, yes. so there you go. Out of contract this year, we know in previous seasons, Port Adelaide have very much rated him. We know that we've been quite patient with him and we still continue to be patient with him. The club does still internally rate him quite highly as evident, of course, by his jumper number as well. We know that last week, because I don't think we touched on this, or maybe I told you maybe a day or two later, but as of last week, anyhow, uh, Sam Power was in Adelaide watching their reserves play, the practice game. And obviously, with us most likely in the market for key defenders, you know, eyes are probably drawn to the name Fisher McCasey. Or Macasey, as you might say. We have spoken about Macasey, Macasey, however you prefer to pronounce it or pronounce it. In pronounce recently, it. Pronounce it. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so well, that that's there's no secret mm. there. He's grown up a, a Bulldog supporter. His idol was Matthew Boyd. If we trade Josh Dunkley, we the number five is mm. making. And you spoke about it even two weeks ago. Yep, trade Josh Dunkley, get the picks and bring it on to the Macasey. Give number five I'm to Macasey. Don't do that. Not after, not after the trawler kicking those two goals. I don't think Dunkley will ever want to leave now again. No. No matter how much Essendon throw at him. But you're, you're right. Uh, now, you, you've, you've jumped ahead a little bit because I wanted to... Well, I'm, there's a couple of other names I want to mention from the AFL. No, we will move on to the VFL because that's a, that's a good mm. transition. That's a smooth transition. So mm. before we I'm beat hoping, North... Yeah, we'll get to that, though. Before we yeah, beat I'm North, hoping still for Gardner. He goes well. We do like him. We're, we have been content with how he's grown as a player. And hopefully his recovery is pretty smooth because he does he has added something positive to the back six. That 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 Crozier injury is only only a comparison. I'm not saying he'll be out as long as that. It may not be serious, um, but that's the injury that Crozier is suffering at the moment. He's still about a month away. So fingers crossed for for Gardner. I hope he does come back as soon as possible. VFL because obviously we need to look at replacements. There's going to be at least one change next week. Now f- before we beat uh, North Melbourne by 128 points. Uh, we actually defeated their reserve side by 48 points. So pretty disappointing, I would think, for a Footscray to only win by 48 points. It's a bit of a disgrace, frankly. Only eight goals, um, mate. Even Josh Bruce kicked 10. Yeah. He had <laughs> <Footscray>. <laughs> winning margin. So. He, had scored, he had scored North Melbourne and North Melbourne's VFL side. Uh, and oh God, leading, leading, leading goal kickers, this is a major letdown. This is a very disappointing four-goal haul from Ben Guevara. Just uh, that's that's back to back fours, isn't it? Now, so this is 15 goals back to back boundaries. Yes, this is 15, 15 goals in five practice matches now for Ben Kavara. So, mm. so he's outscored Josh Bruce from last season. <laughs> he has, he's outscored Josh Bruce from this season, too. Mm. Say what you want about dropping Wallace, whether you think it was the right move, whether you think they should have persisted with him, whatever. The fact that Kavara didn't come in to replace him, I found quite difficult to get my head around. It, that makes not, two of us. It's it's a, it's not exactly a like for like, but it, it's as close as you're going to get. They both they both occupy that small to mid sized forward spot. Kavara's mm. kicking goals. One more, one more as a, as a marking target, and Wallace and yep. one more of a of a crummer, of course, in Kavara. So I think they probably would have been a better fit and better 
better balance of the side too. Seeing as we do sort of now play three tools or at least two, two tools and, and, a, and a rotating. Yeah, technically two and a half. Well, I didn't want to say two and a half, but I will now since you brought it up. I don't give out half marks. <laughs> no, no, you don't. It's just a strange thing. But uh, just it makes the... sense then to play a, a pressure play, a pressure mm. forward, doesn't it then? To, to counteract that additional height. So you need to have good ground ball players. And that's exactly what Kabara is. Now, you noticed our ground ball players today. No, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got to go through the, the rest of the such, but yeah, I've got to go I'm through the rest that, of the numbers here. All right, that's we'll follow on to that point after this then. Okay. Uh, so Jong was apparently dominant, found the football at will and finished with three goals. Eugle Hagen and Shaki each kicked two. And then there's a couple of names here. Most of them are in on the senior list at the moment. But like Garcia, who was also very impressive as well, I'm told. That was his first game. Yes, that's his, that's his first before, game. Hasn't he? Is that actually his first actual No, game? they didn't. It oh, was no, foot scraped play last year. Remember, they just had the ball oh, that's right. reserves. No, no. So that's his first game for the season. It's his first game for foot scrape. And he oh, caught the eye as well. Wallace got himself a goal. Him. Watch out for Garcia. Garcia, please. yes. There's a big spot for him right there as a small forward. We need a small forward. Oh, yeah, positive news. I believe there's uh, some decent talks also with Cody Waitman. But we'll see how it goes. But I believe there's positive uh, contract talks. We like talking contracts. Waitman also got on the score sheet, as did Boyd. Now, Boyd's not a... not a, It's not Tom Boyd, don't worry. Bulldogs fans, he's not making a comeback from, from what I hear. Mm. Now, I just want to go through the goals because we speak about the, the forward set up at the, at the Bulldogs. Uh, now, these numbers are going are gonna to look pretty disappointing compared to Josh Bruce having kicked 10 goals in one afternoon. But in the last five weeks here, I've got uh, these, these are across five practice games. So Ben Kavara, 15 in five games. Josh Shackey, 10 in five games. Eugle Hagen, 11 in five games. This is beautiful. It's a good form. That's, that's a very good form of chemistry. That though, but I'll just have to replay that later. But no, that, that's great to, to, to hear there. Been a long time since we've actually had Emily practice games, but having players reach over double digits within the whole yep. bunch of them too. It's been a long time since, since we've had some sort of firepower in, in that department too, isn't it? Obviously, it's going to be very difficult for at least at least all of them to to force their way into the side at the moment, just given the fact that the, side, the Bulldogs have just kicked twenty five goals. It's going to be quite difficult. I don't think there's a shortage of opportunities for, for kicking goals and conversion in the forward line at the moment in the senior side. Surely, though, 15 goals in five matches, form gets you in and gets Kavara an opportunity. I'm hoping so. I just don't know when or technically before. We mentioned McNeil before. We saw Scott play a bit higher up the ground today. There were some indifferent moments from him. Still learning his craft a bit more. He's more of a natural mid forward as well. So you can now, if that's going to be his role in the coming weeks or such, then that's how you have to judge him accordingly. Do you think McNeil's done enough to, to hold his spot? Because mm -hmm. we asked that question last week. Yeah, we did. And well, clearly they decided that the selection committee decided that he had. I thought he, he did have a very good second half last week. I thought he was better last week than when he was in his first game. And I thought he had some moments again today. I, I feel like he wasn't overly clinical. Kicked a very nice goal, mind. But he missed a couple of opportunities as well that weren't yeah. overly difficult. Yeah, should have kicked the two that he didn't and probably missed the one that he did. <laughs> I mean, that's how it rolls. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's fair. I mean, the, the one he kicked was, was pretty good. And, but uh, it was the hardest of the three. He should have kicked the, uh, the other two at least. And, it, and it, look, we, we sort of see here, we say, well, he kicks three goals. I mean, how can you drop him? But it's a bit like, it's a bit like Wallace last week. If he converts those opportunities, you, you, don't, you don't drop him, I don't think. I don't think Wallace gets dropped if he, if, because there were those two in the third quarter and there was one in the last quarter. If he kicks those, then you don't drop him. You're not going to drop a guy to kick three goals. But I think that goes back to what I'm saying about the selection committee that, Near enough is not going to be good enough. Not this year. There's, there's not a this lot year. More. It, it seems like there's a the version of Footscray in 2021 is a far more superior version to what we saw probably in 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. In 2019, they were a very good side, but at times they did lack that killer instinct. And unfortunately, that's what probably cost them as they got knocked out in straight sets. Yeah. They weren't a, a straight sets team. You know, they should have gotten through at least to the 
beyond the semis. But it's interesting, you know, bringing that up there, that type of mentality. It seems like there's a version of a killer edge at the club now, isn't there? Once yeah. again. Uh, it feels like, yeah, as I said, it feels like they, they, they mean business properly this year. Like they've they've allowed themselves a few seasons to to explore who they are, their identity, their playing style, but now it feels like there's a sense of where well, we've got that now and we're running with it, and we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna and we're, we're ready to go. Yeah, we're not gonna deviate from the path in the search of you know expression and and being an individual. Like it's and that was it was it's in stark contrast to Beveridge when he first arrived. It was all about. It was express all about expressing yourself, as yourself. Best as you can. yeah. Find out who you are as a player, who you are as a person, and I'm I'm sure there's still a lot of that in terms of in terms of like an off field sense of finding yourself as as an individual. But it feels like a lot more business like on field this season compared mm. to previous seasons. Mm. It seems like I think the ideal, in terms of what I'm thinking, the ideal beverage moniker. And for better use of that word, or for another word, is probably <laughs> the, the a, other moniker. Yeah, the other moniker would be a person dressed up in a suit whilst on a surfboard at the beach. That's what I can picture right now, wearing the shades, you know, looking cool with swagger, but looking professional and in style. I don't know why I just thought of that. I don't know what's brought about that to me. This is a strange episode. I think we're going to either come up with a better moniker. No, that's what I'm thinking about. That's what gets in my head at the moment. There'll be more than that, but that's just just strange. It is dressed up like that in a suit with the shades and on the surfboard. Be- beverage surfing in a suit. Okay, uh, it seems very we, chill, we, doesn't it? We, it seems yeah, it seems a bit too relaxed. We, we better move on because we've only got a few minutes left. Um, so quickly, obviously, one change has to be made. Ryan Gardner is going out. I mean, that's pretty likely. Who is going to come in, do you think? Who would you have your money on? So, obviously, Zane Cordy has played more games, a bit more experience in terms of AFL level. Lewis Young, however, was named as an emergency. I believe he was non-playing as well. I don't think he played in, in the VFL today. I think he and Lipinski were non-playing emergencies. Lipinski, obviously, the medical sub. Who would you pick, though, ahead of Cordy or Young? I think it's very specific in terms of the, the matchups. We know that Cordy is capable of doing the job. But I'm wondering was, about I think the reach Cordy of was Danilo the, and Hipwood. Well, that was Cordy's best season last year. That was his it best was. season. Hmm. It's still, even though it's a, his best season, it's probably still what you'd describe at the minimum would probably still be a, a C-plus type season or, or as a best-case scenario, maybe a B-minus. And it, that's how I would judge it still. Okay. I'm... Um, content with what he's got you know there were less shocking games there weren't many brilliant games but there was a loss of good as you say the term solid performances I was how they described JJ this uh, this season so far I'm, I'm tempted to see what Lewis Young can do I'm very tempted to see what he can do though and I need to just find out whether it whether he's actually up to it or not I think, a big test I think he is still I think it's a big test for, for Lewis Young if they give him the opportunity. But we do wait and see. Yeah, Finally, I want to make mention... It sense, doesn't it, though? Because no. they brought him in for the final in 2019, played a couple of games beforehand, started him off in that season, starts him off in round one last year. He becomes unsighted for a long period of time, even without the scratch matches that the club organised against itself or yeah. however the heck that was even organised. And now they've got him as an emergency for back-to-back games. So he's in the frame. Yeah, he's not just far away. I have no idea what's going on because he's this, just as likely to be removed from that as he is to play. But this could be his opportunity. Just before we go, I want to make a final, uh, final particular shout out to two players who, who haven't mentioned. Who I think, well, actually, I'll, I'll make it three. I'll make it three, but I'll be very quick with them. Aaron Norton, Alex Keith, and Tom Libertore. Now, Keith and Norton were well they were alongside Bruce they were probably the three best players for the Bulldogs in the in the first half Norton was fantastic he deserved more than his um than his two goals we had you know missed a couple a of opportunities he really should I've, I've really come around to it he's a forward and then Libertore 25 disposals 10 inside 50s 12 12 clearances so does that get him a vote in terms of the 
at the Brownlow, that is. I'm sure he'd be at least getting an eight in your ratings with that. I think he's got to be close. I do think he's very close to Brownlow, but that, that to a Brownlow vote. But I think that's got to about take us to the end of another mm. episode. Mm. Nick, my guess is Bruce Trelaw Liberatore in the Brownlow. Right. That'll be it for me, though. That's what I'm going to say with. Yep, we'll we'll leave it there. That's yep. That's going to be it uh, for another episode of the the Salty Bulldog. I think that's our eleventh episode of the the season now. You can check out all of our previous episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and there's also our social media outlets you can check as well. Uh, so the Salty Bulldog on Facebook and YouTube, on Twitter at Salty Bulldog, Instagram the Bulldog, and the website www.saltybulldog or sorry thesaltybulldog forward slash home. Until then, I've been Matthew Donald. He's been Nick Galea. We thank you wherever you've been listening around the world. And until next week, take care.